welcome back to Deconstructing Damsels. <laughs> I am your host, Jessica, and today we have a really fun episode. I talked to Abigail from Kingdom of Thirst about the best Cinderella movie, pretty much in my opinion, ever after, because I just love how, you know, Danielle kicks a lot of ass. <laughs> it's a very simple structure for me as a viewer. And we talk about, you know, how things are different, maybe some inconsistencies, and it was a really fun episode, so I want you guys to listen. First, before I do, I want to give a little bit of an update. One, I have my new YouTube channel, I guess, BookTube maybe is what it is, I don't know. Anyway, I have one of those channels coming up, and it'll be Just Checks Out. I'll have the link below in the description. And basically, it's just for all those things that I read that's basically not romance. So if you want to give that out a look, it'll be, you know, linked, as I said. The first episode goes up on May 1st, so right around the time this thing comes out. And April 30th is a really important day for me because it is the one-year gotcha day for Penny. And as you guys know, Penny has been really helpful in making sure I stick around because she's been a really good mental health movement right now she's pouting because it's penny and she pouts or sleeps lately i am so happy to have her and i wanted to give her a shout out on her day because she is awesome and i want to thank my patrons carrie kelly marlena and the elm sisters you guys are amazing and thank you so much for helping it kind of helps me actually give products back to you too because in june or july i would be expecting a package i have something for the top tier members and i the bear love tier members such as i can name after dd or the elm sisters and i hope you guys will enjoy what i'm about to send you i have some more content going up i actually have a couple things i need to, to put up because it's been really hard this month getting stuff together but because Cinderella month is actually kind of half taken over my life. I've read so many Cinderella books that I kind of forgot to write reviews. Because that's what you do sometimes. But I have read things. And I'm going to have them up on the uh, blog for you guys on that side. I also have released a review of Anchored Hearts by Priscilla Oliveras. And it will be on Damsel's Podcast. I will make sure to link that in the boxy thing. I don't know. Is it a description box? Like, you know, YouTube says the box below and I say the summary, but neither one of those sound correct. So we'll see what we have there. Other than that, that's pretty much all of the housekeeping I have to do for this episode. So please enjoy the episode with <laughs> Abigail and we had a ball. I really love talking about some of my favorite movies. And I'm thinking about making this a thing. So I don't know if you guys are interested, but I was thinking maybe in July, because it's summer month theme, of having one about Sci-Fi's Alice. And I'm thinking about having October with the Tenth Kingdom, because it's Fractured Fairy Tales. Seems appropriate. Let me know what you guys think. All right, on with the show. I am back, and we are talking about the best movie ever, ever after. <laughs> no, no, no pun intended there. 
And I am joined by Abigail mm-hmm. from Kingdom of Thirst Podcast. And you started when? Oh, the, the podcast started back mm-hmm. in October. Yes. I want to point that out because I like having new podcast people on too. Oh, thank you. Thank because you. I, I like that. to I like to connect through podcasting. <laughs> It's fun. Like, you yeah. read all these little inroads of people that love the books. And, you know, it's different perspectives on each one. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, we all do it a little bit differently. There's a lot of romance novel mm-hmm. podcasts out there. But we all have a different perspective yeah. on it. And there's a, yeah, there's like a an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Like, every single one has got their own version of what they are what they are interested in, what they want to hear. So it's kind of interesting to see what kind of lands. Yeah. like, um... Because, like, you know, some of my, my biggest supporters were uh, Boobies and Newbies and Too Stupid to Live, which <laughs> have obviously grown recently. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we started out, like, you know, we were we were three of the same ones, and we each had very different takes on the same genre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I And I, I had never, it's worth noting that I had never listened to a romance novel podcast before I started one. My, the, like... Me either. <laughs> the, like, yeah. I was like, this is like the arrogance of it, right? But I, I was like, I want to talk to my friends about something that they don't care about. No one around me uh, listens or, or reads romance novels. So I was like, how can I force them to be in a room with me and listen to me talk about this thing that I love? I'll start a podcast. Um, and it's, and it's, it's been wild. And it's also particularly funny to hear like the hot takes from my guests who don't listen to or read romance novels. Um, as I explain a romance novel to them and they're like, Hey, that's not, what are you talking about? That, that can't be a thing. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. It's just something that happens in romance. Yeah. I was mentioning this in my, in the other recording I did a couple, a little while ago. Um, what's funny is, is my husband still has not figured out that an HEA, how that works. <laughs> and I'm like, baby, I love you. And my <laughs> editing husband is an amazing human being, but, how have you but not honey, put if these pieces together yet? <laughs> well, I think part of it is, is he was asking about other genres in romance. Oh. And I was like, no, there are like sub-genres in romance, but there's still romance if they have a happy There's literally after. two requirements, and that's one of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like, and so, but he still gets a little bit confused about it because like, I mean, his favorite writer of all time is probably Terry Pratchett. Mm. Which is so vastly different than yeah. romance. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Discworld doesn't really <laughs> lend Not itself to romance. Not a whole lot of smooching going on there, huh? No. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I'm sick, he reads me Terry Pratchett. So Aww. it's a whole thing, yeah. You got your he, own like, ATA. I do have my own ATA. I put that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- on my, uh, on the, uh, uh, damsels, I think Instagram it says like American H E A and in Germany, you know, like it's, it is, like it's totally. We're very gross people when it comes to to this because we're very like happy and it's like the gross levels. And That's I'm nasty. Okay with it. You can't be happy. Exactly. That's real gross. Yes, exactly. Like I'm, we're like that. Like we have our issues, but like overall, we're really happy people. Like we're constantly like touching each other and kissing each other because we didn't have each other for most of our relationship because yeah. international relationships, ah, so you couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we were together for like six and a half years before I moved over here. So so you get to be as nasty as you want. No one can no one can put you down. 
exactly and like yeah. you know he'd only we'd only met each other like twice before i moved here so it's a whole thing because it's expensive to get t- tickets from one place to the other nowadays <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 800 dollars is a little bit of much it's a, it's a so, change mm-hmm, exactly and when you're not you know rich it's a lot so we like have our own ata so but you know he sometimes doesn't always understand how that works well, uh, and God love him. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny because as, as, you know, we're about 30 something episodes into Kingdom of Thirst and I'm, I don't only talk to people who don't read romance novels. Um, that was kind of the original conceit of the show, but I very quickly, you know, started having authors on and, and also having my fellow booksellers on because I am also a bookseller. Um, and some of them do read romance novels, none as voraciously as I do, but, um, <laughs> It, it, it has been fun to watch my friends also kind of start to tentatively read romance novels after talking to me about it for so long um, and to read some of the wildest ones because we don't just talk about like uh, the, the the typical, you know, the, the bodice rippers, right? The the, right. the Bridgertons. We, we go deep on like, we have a whole episode on orc romance, for instance. <laughs> um, Kraken romance, alien romance. We got it all, babe. Um, and it's it's been fun oh. to watch my friends get really weird with it. You should do a you should do a crossover with um romancing the monsters. Oh God, hit me up, y'all. <laughs> I yes, I will. I will connect you to because like romancing the monsters does like um they did one. I think it was like a steampunk where they had like vampires or something. There was an episode of that. I mean, they do some of the bodicey rippers too, but like yeah. they, they did that. Like they have a whole variety of things that they read. So then yeah. they're they're relatively new too. So you guys should hook up and create I, a little network of your own. Uh, us us monster monster lovers out there, uh, <laughs> we we have to we have to stick together. I I also you know I I. I'm a nerd at heart, so I love to do research, and I love. I, I yeah. think one of the reasons I wanted to do a romance podcast was because I felt like, as as many of us do in Romancelandia, right, that <laughs> po- that romance novels are often overlooked. Their value is often yeah. diminished, um, just because of their content, um, their perceived content, I should say, and yep. they are removed from historical and social context. And I, I really wanted to look into that. So for the orc episode, for instance, I talked about how orcs themselves come from a very unfortunately racist <laughs> place um, yes. and, and where that came from and why it matters, why it doesn't matter if, if you know, if that's what you choose, um, you know, and how it has been so utterly divorced now from that original wellspring of Tolkien's super racist nonsense. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it's, and it's, but we also talk about, you know, people who boink orcs. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's a great intersection of all the silliest, strangest, most interesting parts of this subculture that so many people just take for granted and only look at, you know, Bridgerton. Um, so yeah, you know, no, I, I, no, I agree. Cause like, um, for Valentine's Day episode, we did, uh, Kitty versus feral Mm -hmm. which is like alien romance but like the alien is a cat type person oh yeah i've read i read a uh an alien romance with a cat type person that was called has tail will travel (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) 
Oh, man, that sounds great. Because apparently, like, this is by, um, this book was by Loki Rennard, and apparently she just writes a lot of these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had never heard about it, but I had, like, Kindle Unlimited, and my husband mm-hmm. and I needed to, to read a book, and I was like, it was like this, or, like, there was a prison plan at one, and I almost went to the prison plan, I was like, but wait a minute, this one is described as basically, like, um, uh, Ron Perlman and <laughs> Beauty and the Beast Ooh, type style. brutal! Like, like. Like, you know, that, like, Persian face. Oh. <laughs> like. Poisy, yeah. huh? Mm. <laughs> and then, well. like, but then, but then, like, he buys her a, a toy that's basically, like, it just is a vibrator. Wait, it's just a is ball. This, is this, okay, fuck, hilarious. Okay, hold on. But wait, is this the one where the, she's, like, in a labyrinth or whatever, and, and he's, like, a, he's, like, he's, like, a lion? No, this is oh different. Oh my god. God, hey, you know what? The kitty cat alien man romance subgenre is a lot deeper than you think. And who the heck knew we were going to talk about that in the Cinderella episode? Not me. But hey, we're here for surprises. Well, you know what? Like, my my podcast is never linear, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. It can't be. It can't be. That's the with like romance novels everything is so weird and amorphous <laughs> and interconnected and like there's i i i, I say on the on kingdom of thirst that um one of my goals in life my sisyphean torture one might even say is that i want to categorize and document every subgenre of romance and that will never end it, it is sisyphean it will never end because every yeah. time i think i find the bottom of one i i dig a little deeper and i find a new chasm waiting for me um yeah. and i I have no nails left from all the digging I've done. Uh, and, and and that's just the way my life's going to be from now on. That's what I've hitched yes. my wagon to. Mm-hmm. And that it's an endless supply, especially with things like Kindle Unlimited, where you can get thing you can post things very easily. And people just keep doing it, man. They mm-hmm. just keep posting. It never ends. Because I love Kindle Unlimited for that reason. Every time I go, like, every day, there's a new, like... <laughs> 300 romance novels posted up there so yeah yeah well i mean uh, i I found a lot of really good ones however wonderful ones i found a lot of really terrible ones uh i i've seen some some artwork that is one might say i'm gonna be i'm gonna be kind and use the word staggering and you can take that whatever whatever whichever direction you want uh, and I, I, it's been, it's been wonderful. I think anyone who's been absolutely just crushed by pandemic life and isolation, uh, getting like Kindle Unlimited or like downloading your library's, uh, digital app, like their, their digital reading app, if you have mm-hmm. one, like that saved me because I, I at one point was reading two to three books a day. Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is just my life now, and I'm going to get weird, and I'm going to read some monster romance, which I know is having a moment on Twitter. Uh, everyone's, mm-hmm. like, finally admitting that what they read. Um, it's 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 been great. I mean, like, there was, what is it, who is it, Tiffany Reese? Mm. Doesn't she have, like, the Minotaur? Mm-hmm. I think she's got a Minotaur one. I, I know that um, a couple of like more mainstream traditional authors are now saying that they're going to write a monster romance. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But let's not forget like the Tiffany Robertses. Let's not forget, you know, the the, the, the weirdos here. The, we, we, we were here first. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's it's interesting because like, it's very different from what you expect, like, 
I apparently like is my word for the day. Sorry, y'all. Um, but it's very different from what's expected necessarily mm-hmm. in the genre. Because like, people expect it to be, you know, 1985 still. And I was like, yo, I'm turning 40 this year. And that would have made me like four. I think it's moved a little bit in that time. And you know what's interesting is, is that it it really actually, if you think about it, is not different. Because these mm. these these caricatures of alphas usually right these these monsters yeah um they're they're just that they're just they're just burly dudes typically uh unless you're reading you know something that kind of tries to subvert it a little bit but that's as rarer than i than i hope um and they're they are just like i was talking in the orc episode i keep referencing we we talk about that how an orc is in all ways, except for the traditionally handsome avenue, uh, a, a, a supreme alpha male, a la romance novels. Um, yeah. So they really do actually fit in extremely neatly. It's just that they are like physically a little. They got a little. They got some fun stuff going on sometimes. Uh, <laughs> some bumpies, some tails, some like extra appendages. Uh, and you know what? Which can be helpful. If you're reading a couple hundred books a year, you want a little variety. Like, that's, I guess. I have got to hook you up with my friend Courtney. I, we got, I got it. We got it. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I also want to talk about Ever After, I suppose. Yeah, but like, you know, you've seriously got to to talk to my friend Courtney. Because like, Courtney and I read Kissing the Coronavirus for our, um, for one of my Patreon episodes. And I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to read it before, and I did, and she hadn't read it yet. She was reading it as we went through. Uh-huh. We had some very interesting conversations about what a medium-sized snake dick would be. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, does that mean it's, like, like almost six feet long? Medium or to what? Medi- relative to what, ma'am? Well, because I looked up the median length of one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they can range from, like... Just under five feet to twenty feet long. Oh no! Yeah, so we're no. like, is it length or is it girth or what's, what's that footage? medium? Yeah. Oh yeah, I I um, it's you I, and Courtney I, would have a blast. I'm sure we would, man. I could talk about it forever. I I I did a whole episode on dragon shifter romance as well, where we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, oh yeah, we have. I a, did a dragon shifter romance on here. It was not a very a good lot. one, but. Wait, which one did you read? I've probably read it. Uh, it was, oh, Alicia Montgomery, one of hers. Okay. Uh, we recorded it. My husband and I read it. He was my fiance at the time. Because at the time, I couldn't figure out how to get guests. But I was like, cool, I can do this. Mm-hmm. It, it was a thing, and it was not good. And I was like, you're too much of an alpha hole. Disappear. Yeah, there's it's a fine line, isn't it? Uh, I I love Ruby Dixon's uh, Fireblood series, uh, very fun. Uh, I would say soft alphas, if if they're going to be qualified as such, uh, very much like Uwu, I would die for you. Like, please let me feed you. I love you so much, alphas. Um, but I I love that her series is technically sci-fi but you don't really know it until like unless you read her wider universe which is so fun ah yeah um, i like when they have hidden little bits in there 
And uh, I would say Abigail Owen, her Inferno Rising series. Um, she's super nice. She, her books are very fun. They are much more fantasy, but they also like involve muscle cars and like it's just and like women who explode spontaneously into into like fireballs. It's great. Uh, I if you if you like Dragon oh, um, Shifters, get on it. Who is it? Um, Molly Harper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Sorry, I know Molly Harper from her like, um, gym, like the um, librarian days, like the books are. Ah. So, yeah, so her Mystic Bayou is a whole thing. Yeah, man, there's it's a popular subgenre. It's way more popular than you think it's going to be, and then you just keep finding more and more more dragon shifter romance, and I'm just like, well, okay, all right. The the book, by the way, was the last Blackstone Dragon. Ah, was that in the Venice Needs yeah. Men series? No, I don't know. By uh, because there's like because there's like a series of of uh called Venice Needs Men, which is like a technically I guess it's like a post apocalyptic fantasy ish sci fi. I don't know. It's like a mix of all three. Um, and it was written by like several different people. One of which was uh Tiffany Roberts, who's a friend of Kingdom of Thorns podcast, and also just super nice people. Um, husband and wife writing duo. Go read the books. This one was, uh, it's like something about the Blackstone Mountain. Se- it's a Blackstone Mountain series. Oh, so it's a prequel. Ah, well, you know, my my list is endless. <laughs> so, <laughs> might as well add another one on top of there. And it's like it's it's set in like it. The world reminds me a lot of like West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Because it talks about like mining and stuff like that, which of course makes you think of like that region, like West Virginia. So say better or worse? Is that like a? Because West Virginia, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but like it's in that area, and you Uh can tell because they talk about like the way you know. But I think it's also supposed to be like set in like Chicago area too. Hmm. So I'm very confused about the location of this place. But um, yeah, it we didn't give it high marks. Well, say lovey, you know it happens. Yeah, it's life. But it's just like, it was just like, like I, I've actively been trying to find books we like, so that way it doesn't look like we hate books, because yep. like, like, he and I, because like, we love to read, because like, we probably read like six or seven books on this podcast, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm impressed that you got somebody to can... read. Yeah, well, and like, the thing is, is he's got ADHD, so reading uh... for him is like a, a trial, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's got like the hyperactivity, like super hyperactivity, yeah. so for him to read I have to give him a little bit of time because like, the last episode he was on before Valentine's was Christmas, because those are the two holidays that he's always on mm-hmm. uh, Christmas, because it was a way for us to be together when, we, when I wasn't here, and then Valentine's Day, because HEA mm-hmm. and so so mm-hmm. he didn't. We, we didn't. He didn't like the the Christmas book, and neither did I. <laughs> but mm-hmm. that one was a love inspired book, and I didn't realize when I picked it out it was a love inspired book type. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I. I. One of the reasons I started my podcast with just the conceit of being like, oh, I. I would just want to trap my friends in a room and force them to listen to me talk about something <laughs> I love for a while was because I knew that I could never get anyone to read anything. Um. And, and yeah. I say that as a bookseller, like the people who are going to read, they'll read, but most of the people mm-hmm. you're around just generally in life, 
You can't get them to read. What are you talking about? You try, about? but... You try, but they're not going to do that. So I was like, "I that's fine. All they need to do is sit down, and I will jabber at them for, like, an hour, and then they have to, like, maybe say some jokes or ask questions, and that's it. Um, yep. You know, uh, but, you know, surprisingly... Uh, those people that that I have on, some of them have decided to now start reading romance novels. So I think it's a win. It is, and it's like it it changes perceptions when you talk about what you enjoy from a book, or when you talk about the deeper parts of the book. Like I I always forget to do the summaries. By the way, I never talk about the summaries, and I just jump right into the review, which is probably not the best way to do it. But <laughs> whatever. If you want to read the book, you'll know the name. You 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 can Google. I, I will do, I, I, uh, at the start, you know, it was a little bit, you know, you, the first couple episodes, I, first of all, okay, listen, podcast people out there in the world, don't start ever with the first episode unless it needs to be listened in order. Most podcasts do not. Please give us a little bit of grace and start with the most recent and then sandwich. Do most recent, oldest, and then like one after the other, because listen, they're probably going to be like not as good. First of all, I know for yeah. sure that I did deep dives in this in the beginning because I wasn't sure what the format was going to be. I wasn't sure like how to present them and all this stuff and how to fill an hour. Um, and so I went too deep on going over the plot and be like, and then this happened and then this happened. And, you know, and then also like there was this part which I thought was cool and there's this thing. And it's really super boring. Um, and I don't recommend listening to those. Um, some people like them, but I personally don't. Uh, so, there, you know, you win some, you lose some. Either you, you talk too much about the plot or you don't do it at all. That's kind of the way it is. Well, see, I talk about the plot and how it relates to the women in the plot. So, yes, that's the format. That's, if it doesn't you know affect the, the heroine or the women, don't care. That's fair. That's fair. I, you know, I, I also, I talk about like a lot of power dynamics and how that is literally the central plot of every single romance novel ever. I don't care what anybody else says. Like the heart of every romance novel is a power dynamic and a power fantasy um, yes. inherently. Um, and, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> no, I mean, you're not wrong. Like, I mean, everything has a power dynamic because life is a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. Someone has always got less or more than the other person next to them. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's what we are. It's yeah. part of being human. So it's like, how do you make that work? And it's also the very existence of a romance novel in your hand or on your phone or on your Kindle the the existence of a romance novel and a romance genre is itself a power fantasy usually aimed at women although that's changing um and queer people have always queer non-identifying you know female people i should say uh are, are getting more representation and are making inroads um but i i will say that like it, the very existence of of the romance genre as it is aimed at women is itself on its own a power fantasy because the idea of just bare bones being happy in a romantic relationship is if that is a fantasy that needs to be written about and have its own subgenre right of fiction that's a power trip man that's us that's us imagining like oh that is that is such a fantastical thing in this world that i may never achieve as a woman so i'm going to read about it like that is a horrifying thought <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's you know, but but I mean, like power dynamics 
exists in everything. Like in yeah. every media we consume, it exists, right? Like mm-hmm. love, lo- in any love story, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter if you're watching. I don't know, <clears throat> romancing the stone. Uh-huh. There's a shift. In, there's a shift in power dynamics throughout that movie, um, but you also see it in like some webtoons, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you see it again in like the books we consume. Mm-hmm. Like it's everywhere for the romance. So, and yeah. it's not just romance, but related specifically to this topic. Um, and you see it in everything, and it's interesting to see how things have like changed throughout, mm-hmm. right? Like you can see how like media is influencing media. Mm-hmm. So, like you know, again, like say romancing the stone, you can see how that influenced other parts of the media through, you know, from years to come. But you can see how it like molded to fit more of the the time that the, the new item was from and then that one of course flows to the next one and it's interesting to see how like the the rom-coms and the romantic adventures and stuff like that have kind of mm-hmm. shifted and you can see it mm-hmm. in the writing too because like if you look at um uh Suleika snyder her she's yeah, yeah. so lovely is basically like roadhouse fan fiction but with a threesome yeah. Right. Sounds like her. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I mean, like she she openly admitted that she was like, you know, Sam Elliott that that gif of him putting his hair back. Mm-hmm. That man is that man was beyond sexy in the eighties. That's just not fair. But anyway, um, but like you can see how those are influenced by what we read. <laughs> yeah, and you and know, so I it's, think it's very interesting to see how it, generations are kind of hit at that way. I think also, you know, because I I watched Ever After last night. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in a while. It was it was uh, one of my mother's favorite movies. So it was always on in the background when I was a kid. And I I watched it again and I was really struck by um, the the power dynamics in the film uh, and and the things that also didn't quite make sense to me as an adult and, and as somebody who looks at these things critically now, um, I I. I was really struck by, you know, it's a Cinderella story. So inherently the power dynamics Mm -hmm. are young woman who has no power, uh, takes a fleeting chance at a little bit of happiness for a night and in doing so earns her happily ever after. Um, and becomes, you know, ends up having power. Uh, she becomes a queen inevitably. Yes. Um, but in, in ever after specifically, it's interesting how much power Daniela has, uh, or Danielle, mm-hmm. sorry, Danielle has, yeah. and uh, but also the fact that she she is viewed around her as having no power, despite the fact that she is a person who, in fiction, is like a noble woman by blood. Uh, still, mm-hmm. you know that doesn't make any yeah. sense to me now. I I, I watched it and I was like. Wait a minute. Okay, even if she's treated as a servant by her terrible stepmother and whatever, right? And she does all these things and she looks the part. She she's still like she's still gentry, right? Like so the the power yeah. there is is strange as as someone who's looking at it now with a little bit more nuanced view and not just like, "Oh yeah, she's like a servant girl who falls in love with the prince and like they have all these like philosophical discussions and that's how she like, you know, wins him over or whatever." Right? Great. Um she actually does have power in this society that she's not using, which is like I, I, I don't but mm. I think I I think I understood why that happened though uh-huh. because I I from what I gathered 
it seems like everyone knew about Danielle, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've often wondered if if the uh, stepmother, uh, Rodmella, I wonder. I've always wondered if she just kind of like erased her. Does that make sense? Like you know, because she had all she had the power in the marriage as a woman. Yeah. So because she was a Baron's wife, no matter how briefly, she had the higher power. And that way, because she became head of household. So I'm yeah. wondering if she, era- I've always, I've always just assumed she erased her from society by saying, oh, you know, she was sent off to blah, blah, blah. You know, she was sent off here or there or whatever, because it was very, it was very common for, you know, people to go live with someone else because they were going to get married to X, Y, Z. Well, so you know, I always just assumed that that's what she did. She just kind of like disappeared her from the context of the society. I I would agree with you, except one of the one of the things that really struck me besides this point, right? This kind of like probably, frankly, just a plot hole, right? Just a whoopsie. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to go into it, so they were just like, "This is just a Cinderella story." Accepted, whatever. Okay. Um, I I one thing that really struck me, and I think one thing that stuck with me even when I watched it as a kid was uh, Ramilda's character and how. Yeah. I, I always was very certain that she was genuinely in love with Danielle's father. They yeah. had only been married, like, a couple of months at the time yeah. when he passes away. And in that scene where he falls off the horse, he has a heart attack as he's riding away, um, she has only been living in this provincial little house. You know, he's a baron, but he's like a provincial baron, right? He's like a countryman. Right. His daughter is a little, like, scrabbly gremlin. Um, and he, when he dies, she runs and she, she, she goes to him. And as he's dying, um, I, as a kid, I took it as when he, he tells uh, Danielle that he loves her, that that was why she hated Danielle. Because his last words weren't to her, they were to Danielle. Right. Right. Looking back now as an adult and watching the performance again, I was struck by the fact that it's not just that. What she says is, please don't leave me here. You can't leave me here. And so she is now herself stuck in the country in a place she doesn't want to be unless she wants to get married again, Uh, which is probably, you know, in fiction, probably unlikely. You know, she's she's older. She has two daughters. Unlikely to find another widower, really, um, who who would who would want her. Um, and I, I think that is more the the focus and also maybe the reason for her animosity, not just because he said his last words to Danielle, but because now she's stuck here and she can't get out. And also, uh, you know, maybe that also kind of smooths over the plot hole a little bit of her, you know, being being like, well, we're all in the country anyway. Danielle, you know, no one's going to notice her because Danielle was already like kind of obfuscated and not in the court at at, at any rate. So, right. I guess. I don't know. When I also think to to go with that, if you follow it a little bit, also not only is it leaving her in like the countryside, mm-hmm. it also greatly reduces her chances of her daughters marrying well. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Which huge means deal. that she cannot, she, there, there's no social mobility for her because, I mean, if there's one thing we know, mm-hmm. it's who you marry matters because it's that power dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she married a baron. She yeah. didn't marry, the, like, the, the Tanner guy down the street. Like, mm-hmm. she married, I mean, she she loved him and she cared about him, but she was persisting him because, or pursuing him, rather, um, because of his station. Like, yes. she didn't want to go low. So, 
I mean, I can understand that on some level because it's hard when you're when you're a woman in that time frame. You have no power. There's no literally. Good you're like right, like you're you're dependent on whatever the male person is doing, and so it never really talks about the male either. Like who was the heir? So I've always wondered if it was more of a um, less of a entitled one and more of a given title you know what i mean like less of like something like an earl or you know that line of thinking and more of more of a given and so she couldn't there was nothing that she couldn't go to like to the to the guy down the guy that runs the the money finances anymore and ask for more because it didn't exist also you know one one question that i had about the plot right is that one of the, the central conflicts right between between the in the romance at any rate is that danielle uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, must lie to the <laughs> prince and say that she is the Comtesse de blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. And, and when really... Cray. Yeah, Doulon-Cray, yes. Uh, her, yeah. her, that which was her mother's title. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, later when he finds out that she lied to him after they've spent so many glorious afternoons together and and mm-hmm. she's thrown him over her shoulders and firemen carried him away from the from the rapscallions that that attacked them <laughs> in the woods it's all very good very choice um yeah he finds this out and he he's furious that she's lied to him that, right. that she's nothing but a serving girl um and he he, he dumps her ass you know um right. it's horrible um but i i was like i was always like okay yes but she's still like she's not like she her mother actually what I don't what is and I think this may be one of the situations where they were uh, historically they were banking on the fact that like I guess maybe they're saying that titles aren't passed down to women at all so yeah. like uh, okay I I can buy that that's not how things were done in Italy um, or France really I, I I don't know where they're getting that necessarily but. Um, I, I, yeah, I was, I, I, that's always stuck out to me is like, okay, bud, but she's not like, she's not like a chicken coop girl who, who like was the daughter of a prostitute. Her mom was a comptess. Her dad was a baron. Cut her some fricking slack. Well, I've, I've always wondered about that too. I've, I've always wondered if like, so obviously Henry's parents would be the same time frame as her parents. Roughly, yes. I mean, they were obviously still in the same, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they were in court. You know, I wonder if they went to the courts and you know did the court stuff because obviously Baron, you know. So, but I'm wondering if they were again if it was just a given title and so when they died, you know, no one kept up with it and so. But I'm always wondering how the how did the how did the like royals not know who was in their court system? Yeah, well, I mean, theoretically, like, okay, so if we if we if we go full crazy and map this out, right? Like, <laughs> I I I, they do go to court. They go to the tennis match. Like the mm-hmm. the the stepsisters and 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 Ramilda, they go to the tennis match. They are sitting amongst the gentry. They are part mm-hmm. of the court. They are technically courtiers. They're just not well known, so right. they're they're obscure. Okay, I'll give you that. What is interesting is Henry explicitly asks his mother, do you know 
a comptess. Dula Cray. thank you. It's not sticking in my brain. And she says, no, you know, there are so many courtiers. Who who could I, you know, I it's it's been that long. I don't know. What is, I don't know. A part of me wants to be like, Okay, you had a baron who was clearly, like, a man who was well-liked. He was definitely beloved mm-hmm. by his servants. Even if he was provincial, they're close enough to the court to go right. there regularly, which meant he probably also was close enough to go there regularly. So, I just, I don't, the math, the math, I don't think it adds up, fam. I don't think it adds up. Yeah. I think they somebody would know at least one of their names. It, it, maybe they wouldn't know Daniela or Daniela, for sure, for sure, for sure. Right. But they would know her father, and they would know her mother. I've, but I've also wondered this. I've wondered if the mother and father had different names. Huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, I'm wondering if they had different ranking. I know that's not really possible, but in this, the case of the story. Ah, yeah, I've always I mean... been wondering if, if, like, they were different ranks. Like, maybe um, her mother married down, maybe? I mean, that's possible, but that would have made her more noticeable. Like, that would have made an impression even more. Right. But I'm wondering if... I'm I'm wondering... See, this is what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that happened. Mm-hmm. Because Danielle and the prince are roughly the same age. More or less. So yeah. I'm wondering if that happened when the queen was in confinement. Could have been. I don't think that the the writers care at all, and they probably <laughs> no, were I don't like, think yeah, so either. sure. But but I I think <laughs> that know? maybe she was in confinement. Yeah, because you know back then the queens went into confinement after when yeah. they got pregnant. So because yeah. you know what's good for pregnancy? Darkness and a lot of uh, smoke. <laughs> also lice. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Fresh it air? The, no. Ma- yeah, exactly. Who needs to walk the gardens? Yes. Um, <laughs> that are, you know, paid for by the people that you're taxing and taking all their money from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's probably why you should so go to a war with now. another country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's another question. Like, there was only one son. Mm-hmm. Usually there was, like, more than one. Well, I mean, miscarriages and, and you know. Well, no, no, yeah. But, no, I'm I'm wondering as if, like, I'm I'm just wondering if it was like one of those situations where like did one of the other like did one of the royals have kids from another like marriage or something because they were always in her, they they were always getting like whatevers and getting their things from the pope and going on with their life. Um, <laughs> marrying well, each other. no, they addressed if that. Eleanor though, huh? I mean, if Eleanor of Aquitaine has taught me anything. <laughs> or, or Matilda, for that matter. Uh, I I think, uh, you know, they, they taught, that's the joke, wait, right? Matilda, wait, which Matilda? Queen, the, Queen Matilda, the first one. Oh, no, I was thinking of Matilda of Tuscany, and I was very oh. confused for a moment. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was um, like, wait, but she didn't do that. Okay, queen Matilda, the first, the first English queen to to try and take over the throne after her father left yeah. it to her. Um, yeah. No, I I I think that right. They address that in the beginning as like a joke where they say divorce is only something they do in England. Right. Um, which is like such a, like wild. That's okay, not true, but okay. Uh, papal dispensations, baby. They'll get you right? far in this world. Again, Eleanor of Aquitaine will yeah. tell you. Get that sweet, sweet annulment. No kids, no problem. Even 
if you have kids, no even problem. If you, if you only have daughters, no problem. Uh, right? And even uh. even better, even if you have all of that, not a problem. Yeah, probably not a problem. Want to marry your first cousin? Not a problem. Want to divorce your, your married to first cousin? Even easier now. Want to marry another first cousin? <laughs> and then you get the Spanish monarchy. Well, yeah, I mean, like, look, they were Spanishing, monikering themselves. Then you had the rest of England just, and the rest of the, like, you know, Europe being just related to England. So, yeah, yeah. I I actually was talking to one of my fellow booksellers the other day uh, about how um, technically uh, Will and Kate of now fame are are actually related. They're like like fifth generation cousins or something like mm-hmm. that. And yeah. that's that's something that like they do whenever someone wants to marry into the royal families, they trace their genealogy to see how many like how close they are to a bastard. And it's usually <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. I was gonna say, like it's it's not that hard to find when you're in England. <laughs> nope. Small country, lot of horny people over there. Lot of kids. Right? I mean, like, not even just looking at that. Like, just look at Queen Victoria's line. Oh, my God. So many. Oh, so Be- many between, children. Between, between Victoria and, like, her and the, the uh, Denmark Kring, like, uh, Christian the 10th, I think. Yeah. Between the two of them, they pretty much had Europe covered in every way possible, except for Spain, because Spain was enjoying itself. Yeah. And then, you know, all the wars kind of took care of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Funny how that I, happens. Uh, I took um I took some German uh history classes because I was dating a German, so I was like, mm-hmm. this seems relevant. I have a history minor coming, so why not? Mm-hmm. And so I took it, and I was like, okay, can we just figure out who's not related to either one of those people? Because like, yeah, I was I, I was look I was looking at the chart the other day when Philip died, uh-huh. and I mentioned this because. <laughs> Like his, oh, was it? I think it was his aunt or his cousin was Greek Minnie, uh-huh, who was like uh-huh. best friends with Xenia, yeah. who uh-huh. was the czar's sister. Uh huh. Uh huh. They're all related. Yeah, it's a genetic soup. You know, usually you have a pool, but they just have a cro- crock pot of bad genes and and baldness that they've kind of all got their toes mixing in. And it's really, that's the choice that they made. And then, like, we all have just kind of had to deal with that ever since. And it's really, like, there's a lot of people in the world. You didn't have to marry, like, your first cousin. But go I mean, off, you could I roll, guess. like you could roll down to like the third or the fourth cousin and be yeah, fine. Yeah, at least, man, or at least, at least second cousin. Let's just go, like the bar is Look. so low. <laughs> and then, like, and it was just so weird because I was looking at the the family line, and I was just like, looks like a wreath, huh? It's not even well, a family it, tree; it's a wreath. Well, not even just that. Like, if you look at it. Like, technically, I'm pretty sure Prince Philip could have been in line for the Greek title if it ever came back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he could have been a king of of, of Greece. I'm sure he would have loved that. He probably would have, honestly. He, he probably would have been like, oh, All that Polly. power in one place. <laughs> All that power to talk down to people, he'd be thrilled. 
Um, yeah, so he can say more <laughs> absolutely heinous crap. Yeah, that'd be great. Exactly. But, like, I mean, and I was watching something on uh, YouTube the other day, and mm. this is all goes back to Ever After a little bit, because, like, I was mm. watching it, and they were like, you know, who would have the right to the Russian throne if it came back? And there's, like, basically nobody, because it has to be, like, a male line, and they're mm-hmm. all dead. Yep, yep, yep. But well, like hemophilia. Yeah. <laughs> but so like they're all dead and so like all the Greek people are dead. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, except for like two women, and so they would have to change the rules and let the women be the queen again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which good luck after Catherine, I'm sure. Yeah. Um <laughs> they're 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 the 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 Russian royalty group did not like women very much. Oh why? No way. <laughs> I know, you would have never guessed. Totally didn't catch that because of Rasputin, right? Out of left field. Uh, <laughs> no, Boney M really led me astray. Yeah. My history, I sh- probably shouldn't have gotten it from Disco, huh? Yeah, probably not. But, like, when you listen to, like, when you look at all this stuff and then you look at Ever After and you're like, how is your line more weird than the actual line? Also, like, all of this, we've known this for so long, and we're still writing these stories about the monarchy. And be like, wouldn't it be great to be a princess? What? So my daughter can go marry a, her like her <laughs> uncle? Fuck off! No, fam, no. Hey, it could be a second cousin. Now be nice. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me be kinder. Yes, yes, a cousin. <laughs> my bad. You know, you can you can be a cousin and an uncle. I don't know. Like. I- <laughs> At that point, right? Well, that's why I said second cousin because uh, you're no. Yeah. That's that's your cousin, then, basically. Yeah. So, cousin, cousin, uh, uncle. So, so so Danielle is gonna bring a, a a good infusion of country blood that's hopefully not <laughs> too related to Henry to the royal line. And you know well, what? Well, it can't be too related because they have no idea who her family. is. That's so. true. That's true. And it doesn't, wouldn't matter either way, I guess. Uh, they'd be, it may even be a strike against her that she's not related enough. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, You're not on our family tree. Therefore, you cannot be married to my son. I can't trace your lineage back three generations into mine. If there's Bye. not a chance that your child will be born with an extreme chromosomal disorder, then I do not want it. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh my god. Like, Is that too grip? The, no, because I'm just laughing because it's like so true. Because when you look at, because when you look at like the time frame this, this story was set, like mm-hmm. that's real and valid concern. Yeah. Oh, I want my potential children two generations down the line to be born with tongues too big for their mouths. Please and right. thank you. Boy, so, and it's like, and I should mention that like we're not making fun of people with these deformities. We're no, making, no. We're, we're punching up at the people that made these decisions. They could have married power. anyone. They could have right. married it's, anyone. It's, a, it's it's that power. It's that power thing that we were talking about earlier. Yes. So like, I don't want people to think that we're making fun of people that have absolutely you know, not. That, that have something similar to this. It has nothing to do with that, I promise you. It's because the power dynamic in this world was so weird within Ever After because you had a, a Comtesse and, and a Baron who had no not like, had, like, nothing knowledge of, of a court that they obviously go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can walk in. And obviously, like, the Queen, like... 
I, I think it's interesting that, like, we're getting a look at, you know, the Cinderella, right, exists in this weird space where we're like, yeah, it's a Cinderella story. It's named after her, right? This idea of coming from nothing and through goodwill and being kind, a la the live-action Disney adaptation, have kind, or <laughs> be kind and have courage or whatever it is. Um, like, I, I, this idea that, we, we willfully ignore the fact that it is taking place in a vacuum of a court that she technically already belongs to. She's technically a person yeah. of power. She is a privileged class. No matter how she's abused at home, she is part of the privileged class. It's not actually that big of a come up, really. Like, she's already kind of yeah. halfway there. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, that's, okay, so to bring that up, because she said a Cinderella story, which made, which reminded me of the, um... Hillary Duff? Yeah, so oh, yes. I I will say with the Hillary Duff one, it made more sense, yes. right? Because her her dad had money and he had that that you know diner and like he he was well off, obviously because they were in L.A. Yeah. You could tell they were in L.A. So like you knew he had money, but you also knew that he was not someone that had infinite power. No, which no, means no, no. that her stepmother was much lower on the scale than even he was. Yes. So, you know, that that one made a little bit more sense. He right? wasn't like the president, right? He was just a guy who made some money in his lifetime, probably. Or, you know, maybe a, a little bit of generational wealth, but probably not much, really. Right. Uh, like, he was definitely not like, you know, Christian Grey, for example, which not to relate to that, but just the power, di- <clears throat> the power dynamic. He wasn't a billionaire. Like he was, he was a he was a businessman, and probably right. was like, I don't know. I never trust a man who owns a business. That's my that's my credo. But <laughs> but I, I <laughs> um, never trust a man who owns a business. Never trust a man who wears sandals. Uh, I I think, especially with socks. Just moving on. I just in general, I don't want to. I don't want to even like come. I don't visually. If I have to see that you have toes, socks or not, I want none of it. Uh, you've you've done me so dirty. Um, but I, I do think that like, yeah, it definitely, that is an actual Cinderella story of somebody who like, and she's ostensibly right. She's also in high school. She's going to be going to college. She probably, her like money is not going to follow her. She's probably going to be totally on her own post that point too. Right. Right. Like I, I think post college, she's going to have to like scramble some more to to get where she needs to go. Exactly. But then again, you know, maybe Chad Michael Murray, he'll support her, uh, as we all wish that Chad Michael Murray would do for us. Um, uh, and, Sophia and I, Bush, especially. Yeah, I really I, I had a little cutout of Chad Michael Murray's face on my on my dresser when I was like 10. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm laughing because it's very clear about our age difference right about now. Yeah. Because, because like he's about my age. <laughs> he's up to now i i want to look into that oh you, i hope, you, he's, I you hope he's not horrible <laughs> you don't want to know trust me oh no okay yeah better off better off with that um yeah i i definitely like i do love a cinderella story in the general sense also cinderella story the movie um the the flip phone like keychain fantastic yep. uh but but just for a second chad yeah. michael murray is like Three weeks older than me. Oh. Well, that's exciting for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not. They can, he can keep it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not doing like the Allison Brie thing where he's joining a sex cult, right? No, he's definitely not the Andrew Keegan, but um, oh. no, but he's a. Uh... Hey, how many people have joined a sex cult from like One Tree Hill? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, no, he um, <laughs> he uh, he did some dirty things along the way. I'm sure his name is Chad. What do we expect? <laughs> I mean, like, the whole Sophia Bush thing was just dirty as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that 10-year-old Abigail, like, had the best taste in men. <laughs> it's okay. Do you know who I liked when I was, like, 10? Oh, tell me. Jo- Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who he's turned oh. into a little weird. Hey, huh? That's... Hey. <laughs> hey, maybe we need to put That's him all Simba. up, like... Okay, we need to just blanket statement. If a man has three names, and I know that's an actor's game thing, don't at me. But if a man has three names and he uses them all, like, warning sign. That's too much. Yes, it's just run. Yeah. Just run. But what's funny is, is hold on. So to, to put this into a funny perspective, my husband has got a double first name, no middle name. And Get out! A last Get name. out! God bless editing. So, <laughs> I'm looking at, at, like, Ever After, and one thing that I think I liked the most, and I mentioned this before we recorded, was the fact that, like, Danielle was her, like, she was not defined by, like, the role she was given. You know what I mean? Like, That's her a lot main of Cinderella, thing, yeah. yeah. Like, in most Cinderella stories, like, oftentimes, not most, but, like, in, they're often defined by that role right mm-hmm. so they don't really break the mold mm-hmm. and she really broke the mold on that yeah and then that's i mean that's literally the core of of the reason she and henry bond is because he tells her right uh it's amazing that you don't let your position define you whereas i am my position and that's what he's running from he doesn't want to be king because he doesn't want to be defined by it um, and she looks at him and she goes, how selfish are you that mm-hmm. you would not take the privilege you've been given and do the most good with it that is possible, as she does, uh, right. and 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 flip it to be a good for the world. Um, and he's like, oh, I've literally never had a thought in my life, so that's just really blowing my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my tutor told me everything I said was perfectly correct and yeah. that was what it was going to be. Yeah, uh, I I did. I will say one of my favorite parts of the movie was any moment where they had a moment alone where they spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I was surprised by because you know you go back and watch movies from like 1998, right? And you're like, I don't know how well the chemistry is actually like how how what I remember it being. Um, and I and I was surprised. She's all by, that, for instance. <laughs> yeah, um, I, mean, I was su- surprised by the. I mean, it's basically the, a Cinderella it story, right? Yeah, I mean, I, Cinderella is basically a Cinderella story. That's that's that is true. Um, <laughs> I, I I definitely I was surprised by it. I was I was pleased that it still holds up. Specifically, I want to shout out that moment where uh, he he asks her if she wants to go see the the Franciscan monastery with all the books, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's their date, right? And and she says. Uh, sir, it's not fair that you've found my weakness and I still don't know yours. And he looks at her and he looks away and he goes, I should think that's obvious. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God. It's 
so like, that's the romance I want. Yeah. That's the romance I want. Because uh. he doesn't become an alpha hole, even though he can be. Even though he's fully borderline sometimes. Right, like he's borderline there if he if they choose to go that route, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They do not. Like he's he's still got vulnerability and he's still got what he needs. Because apparently this is Alpha Hole Day because I talked about this on the other podcast recording, uh-huh. but but like I was watching um uh beautifully bookish Bethany. They were having their monthly uh, book club and it was they were talking about Alpha Holes and I was talking in it and I was like Henry is a less um, cranky, I think, version of Ash from the Duchess deal. Mm-hmm. Like, they share a lot of similarities, but they're not the same, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they can go in that route if they want to, but they choose to not go to that one station. Like, they're yeah. they're still protective over what they consider to be their responsibility, yeah, and I liked how Henry, his whole arc is that he learns. He he, mm-hmm. he literally, he learns about everything from her. And he doesn't, and he doesn't expect her to teach him. He doesn't ask her to teach him. Just by his admiration of her, he's like, oh, I've been an asshole this whole time. I should fix myself. Um, and right. that is not something we see as often as I would like. A lot of times it's like... I don't know. I don't actually have to change myself. You just end up liking me anyway, <laughs> you right. know. Um, and he really does change. Um, although the breakup beat is still devastating. Um, yes. But he. But even in the breakup beat, it's different. Like he goes on to go do his duty. Right. He goes on mm-hmm. to try and you know almost get married to the Spanish princess, which is a whole role reversal to what he was before. <laughs> right. So he didn't want to get married at all and do anything that was going to require him to be in charge of something. Yeah, when and like in charge of something because like if he got married, that means as a married royal, he was going to have a lot more responsibilities. He was going to be in charge of. He was going to be not just like you know having kids, right? Exactly, and so that means he's accepting his role, and so it's it's a very um turnabout. And I like I, that. I really like how they use Leonardo da Vinci to help him do that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, da Vinci's great. It's very good, wholly historically inaccurate, fantastic. Anyway, um, I really, I really enjoyed the fact that I think what we don't get a lot, or at least what we don't get to see often, is that the change in the male character is so often contingent on the presence of the female character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was wonderful to see that even when he was devastated, even when he thought he was never going to see her again, even when he was horribly, he felt horribly maligned by her, he Mm -hmm. still took those changes to heart and continued on that path even when it wasn't for her. Um, And that was, I, I, I really liked that nuance. I thought that was really well done. They, and like, so... This is what I find problematic in some romances, mm-hmm. is that they, the couples don't grow together. They just grow to almost tolerate each other. Yeah. Like, they accept each other's foibles or whatever, but they don't accept each other. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't learn to find that middle common ground. And her middle common ground was, dude, these people have rights. You can't send them to America just because you're bored. Yeah. Or just yeah. because you have taxes or whatever. That's not their responsibility. It's not their responsibility that you can't pay what you're 
what you guys are overspending on. Mm-hmm. Not their problem. Like, it's not their problem that they're, like, that their person in charge didn't pay what they were supposed to pay. Mm-hmm. Again, not their problem. They they have no... You guys don't hold them in value, so how can they have anything that is that way? And I, I like the fact that she pushes that throughout the entire thing. Like, even with the, like, with the Roma, right? Yeah. Like, she makes it very clear that just because you don't see them that way doesn't mean they aren't. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought I, this movie is hard because some parts of it don't age well, specifically the stuff with the Roma, right? Uh yeah. and and Drew Barrymore's accent is a little rough. Um but on the whole, I still think that the love story and the core lessons of the movie hold up. Um, which yes. I was surprised by because, you know, uh, we have come a long way in the past 10 years alone, um, specifically mm-hmm. in romance. I mean, as for as many problems as we are still wholly grappling with, we really have come a long way. And I was pleasantly surprised to find that this movie really is pretty modern in its sense of, um, you know, these people are fully developed people on their own. And they are mm-hmm. not, their morality and their decisions are not contingent wholly on each other. Um, and that's yep. that's lovely to see. Also, I want to say the cod pieces, absolutely out of control. <laughs> yes, I agree. But very helpful sometimes when you're playing tennis. When you're playing tennis and you need to like, put something <laughs> in your pocket, but you just open up your cod piece, you stuff it in there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but like... And one thing I really appreciated too in this movie was it was clear that Danielle was a servant and she had that life, mm-hmm. but it was also clear that she took her lessons that her father gave her to heart, mm-hmm. like even like down to like you know say the swords, you know yeah. right like the sword fight, mm-hmm. like she was smart enough to know that she was going to need that at some point, so she got a way to keep it. And it wasn't and, because she was going to return to the prince. It was simply to defend herself. Right. Like, it was literally, she was learning. She was like, okay, I'm on my own, obviously, in this world. Ramilla is not going to do crap for me. You know, no. and, like, you know, Jacqueline likes me, but Marguerite Can't defend hates me. me. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what are we going to do if someone comes up? It's going to be up to me because you know their asses are going to call me, so I might as well keep myself alive. Mm-hmm. Right, and there, there's that self-awareness that I think sometimes the Cinderella stories are missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's a very good version because, like, I watched them um, growing up. I used to love the Cinderella movie, the mm-hmm. Disney, the um, animated one, because yeah. <laughs> the live one was not alive then. Um, but I would watch it, and my favorite parts were always the animals because. I always felt like the animals had more thought and agency. Oh, Gus Gus. Mm-hmm. Gus Gus and, you know, um, Jacques, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if you think about the other movie, you can see where things kind of, like, slide in, the names mm-hmm. of some of them. And then, you know, you had, like, Lucifer. And so, oh, Lucifer, but, like, yeah. to, to me, they were more interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because they they did stuff, like... <laughs> They were her helpers, which is a little bit closer to the original story, I think. Um, but it, it didn't really give Cinderella any kind of 
agency. She was passive through the whole story, and that's why it was never one of my favorite stories. Yeah. It was one of my favorite visual versions of it. Because yeah. it was much more, it was so beautiful, and it was so elegant, and, you know, I mean, it, it did, fit the ear it was supposed to be. Did you ever, um, did you ever read Ash by Melinda Lowe? No. So it, it was, um, it's a queer retelling that came out in, like, I want to say, like, 2006 or something like that, right? Like, um, and I read it, and I remember being struck by Cinderella, basically, she, she does everything herself, right? Like, she, she makes the dress herself. She, she goes and gets the glass slippers herself. It was, it was almost tough to read because you had to follow her through this process that was arduous, that was, she didn't sleep, she didn't eat. She, all she did was prepare for this one thing to escape. And it was like the, it was the ultimate giving of, of agency to Cinderella. Um, and you knew it wasn't going to work out, too. Like, the whole time, like, you know from the from the premise of the book that this is not going to work out how she wants it to. She's going to get her happy ending, but it's going to be totally different than what we would expect going into a Cinderella story. Um, and right. it was very dark. Um, and it was... I, I remember being so struck by that because I was like, oh... Yeah, the Cinderella I know doesn't actually do anything. She just has yeah. a good night. <laughs> yeah. I mean like literally like that that's it. Like there's nothing to her. She's mm-hmm. an empty vessel for the story basically. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that's that's why I really appreciated like even like in um the Hillary Duff one, mm-hmm. like she's an active participant in what she does. She doesn't sit there and take it. Like, you know, she fights back, even if it's little things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, that's, that's what I want, right? Like, I, that's what I look for in books, because I don't know that many people that sit back and take stuff. No. Like, not everyone is, is a badass, right? Not everyone can fight their way out of, like, a, a horde right. of, of ravening zombies. But everyone can do something. There's something um, that makes them, like strong in their own way strong yeah. as in like confident yeah and also that doesn't negate how kind cinderella is right there's this right. idea that because she's taking action maybe that will make her less virtuous and that's like not true in any capacity exactly and i think that that's why like when i was looking at books in cinderella month then cinderella mm-hmm. theme at least like i said before before we recorded i try to like at least read a couple of different books on top of what i'm recording about because i think it's important to kind of note these things right yeah and so i was reading one and i read one called um syndrome have you ever Mm. read that one Uh... it's um it's by k.m robinson Uh, i just finished it's on script so i was Mm. reading it and it's like a about 114 pages or so and it's set in this world it's like it has nanobots and it's obviously like a like an alternative world a bit because like they have like a shuttle and they keep mentioning the shuttle and all all i could see was a monorail from disney world i don't Uh know why Mm -hmm. but that's just where my brain went every time they mentioned it but like you know you it's this world where she's an assassin Mm -hmm. and so the nanobots are what kind of like 
heal her and keep her, you know, safe or, you know, whenever someone shoots her or tries to kill her or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's assigned to kill the uh, prince. Mm -hmm. And the, and the, um, and his father. And it's this, this whole subplot, I'm not going to give too much away, but the thing is, is like, she has agency through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like, even in her final, like, in the final conflict for her, she still has that that ability to um, make her point as it is. Like, you know, she's like, no, this is me. This is my decision. These are my thoughts. And I, I honestly think a lot of these stories exist because of, like, Ever After. I, I Because I think agree. that's the so, first yeah. really one. That's, like, the first real movie I saw where Cinderella was an active participant. Yeah, and I mean, the, the time frame fits, for sure. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of these retellings, like, and also I'm thinking Cinder, right, uh, mm -hmm. came out, early, yeah. you know, in the past, like, 20 years, uh, since the release of Ever After. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it is a very... I think it was a, a, a movie that nowadays, right, we don't really talk about much, but I think it did have a really wide impact on mm. how we view Cinderella and how we view Cinderella stories, particularly in, in romance and YA. Mm -hmm. um, and and because I think, you know, like I you were saying, like a certain generation, this was a very important movie, and we're all writing books now. Um, <laughs> right? And reading them, yeah. And, like, and reading we're them. Putting so. our money, we're putting our money towards the books that have, like the princesses are not victims. No, we don't want they, victims. They they not be in the best circumstances, but they're not victims. Like they're not no. victimized the whole time. In their minds, they are not victims, and that's what matters. Right. Um, if we're going right. to be spending four hundred pages with this person, they cannot perceive themselves as a victim, or at least f they need to really quickly get that out of there if they are. Right. Um, but uh, they yeah, need I, turn, they need their come to themselves moment if that's the case. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think you're right. I think that this movie has had a really wide, um, like ripple effect through through the genre, and I, and I, and I think that's great because, like I said, it still holds up. So I would, I recommend giving it a watch. I recommend watching it like multiple times. Because, and the reason <laughs> yeah. I said that is, is be, well, the reason I said that is, is because watching it multiple times, you see different things you miss the first or the second time. Yes. Yes. Because there's a lot of layers in this movie and the the structural world building and storytelling in this this. Like you have Jacqueline who, you know, is considered to be fat and she's like like Just maybe a size eight. Maybe. Maybe. I'm gonna say probably more like a four, but mm -hmm. you know, she's considered to be to be, you know, fat and I think that that's something that we need to see, like, not that part, but we need to see more of you taking the ability to take that and say, okay, and? Yeah. What? Because like, at the end, that's basically what she said. She's like, what, mom? What about well, I don't. I don't have to join you because I've been helping take care of Danielle all along because I'm not a monster. Yeah. Like, I'm here because of the circumstances you put us in. But I am not obligated to stay in that circumstance with you when you have done nothing but harm her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's another self-agency, not only because of saying, I enjoy what I enjoy, back off, but also it's that familial guilt. She's letting that go. And I think for girls, it's so important to see 
Because yeah. we're trained to always carry whatever someone gives us. It's true. It's true. I think that's a that's a great lesson to to take from the movie, and it's a, and it's something that is definitely we're seeing so much more of in in the romance yeah. genre. Like you're not like you know you're not obligated to carry someone else's baggage. No, not in any you, way. You have no, you that is not your problem to take. And it's not Cinderella's responsibility to to only be kind is it is a responsibility of the people around her and if you and if you act accordingly you will get a happy ending um as 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 jacqueline does um, right right so be nice be nice hey hey be nice yeah exactly like it's a very simple concept don't be a dick it's so simple. Please be kind. It's, like, not that difficult. Please be kind. Well, that's, like, at the end of every episode, I usually say, you know, have a good day. Or, like, you know, take mm-hmm. time for yourself and enjoy the day. And I say that because as, like, I, I'm i sure I have, you know, um, men followers. And I, I'm sure they exist. I don't know. They, like, I no interaction. But, yeah. but, I mean, the point is, is, like, as women... We are conditioned to carry everyone else's stuff and not do one thing for ourselves to balance it. Like, we're not allowed to, you know, take that walk and have, you know, Bob watch the watch the animals, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's always, you have to give up everything. And so I think it's important that you see that. And I think it's important to put that message in there that it's okay to take care of yourself. I wholeheartedly agree. And so I think that's one reason I really like this movie is because Danielle takes care of herself. She does. She really does. She finds her. She finds her way to get what she needs out of life, mm-hmm. because she can't depend on anybody to help her. It's up to her, and I, I love how she does that. It's a good flick. Definitely watch it. I, 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 you know, it's it's tough. I, it's it's good. I mean, you know what to expect, but also it it's it's very. If you haven't watched it, it's. There's some so cringy moments, character. but there's so many character good. There's moments. so many good bits. There's so many good. Like, go ahead, just please do it for me. It's on Disney Plus. If if you're in the U.S., like, give it a, give it a watch. And, and it's like it's also fun to watch um, the way that Danielle talks about utopia, right? Yeah. Like, talks about Thomas More's utopia, but like it's not because she talks about it, but because she believes in it. It's something yes. she actively believes in, and it's part of her self philosophy. Yeah. And she extends that out. And because she extends that out, Henry takes it in better as well. Mm-hmm. It's like she's living what she's saying, and that's teaching him to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that, like, Rodmella did the same thing with Marguerite, and look what happened. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So you have to learn what is what are your lines and what are some things you believe you can't cross. Yeah. Yeah, and then what are and, the consequences, right, from there? And, right. And I think that that's important because you get, like, Pepe Le Pew. I know that's not his name, but I can't help but call him that. I mean, they named him <laughs> Le Pew. I'm sorry. Know, what did you expect? <laughs> exactly. And even, like, I don't know if anyone has looked into it, but it's actually the same guy that did a Rocky Horror Picture Show. So. Incredible. Uh, so he really plays the role really well as someone yeah. creepy and scary. Um, and I mentioned that because, you know, he, it's this battle between him and her on, on her rights. And I think that that 
that feminist undertone, like mm-hmm. the bare minimum feminist understanding, but it's like it's a feminist undertone, really hits that mark. And again, it's something that I think a lot of us that are in, you know, the millennial age range, especially, really got that message because we weren't getting that a lot. And then, like in the '90s, like you had things like um, Clueless coming out and all these things where you know, it's a fluffy movie, but ultimately. The women were taking charge of them mm-hmm. of their own destiny in that, right? Mm-hmm. And you know th- they were changing the world they wanted to see, which mm-hmm. is good for me because I hate Jane Austen. So it was very nice to see a something by Jane Austen inspired that I liked. But it's very interesting to see that from like you know that was in '95 and then in '98 this movie came out. Mm-hmm. That's a huge jump and and craftsmanship on what young girls want to see it's a huge leap. what will drive them to the movements yeah and we've because and we've in between all that going. you still had all that i mean she had she's all that mm-hmm. you had those movies in there too yeah i i i i can't wait to see you know as we evolve and as we change these archetypal stories to suit our world as we see it now um i i can't wait to see how we do that and i i encourage you know authors to to not be afraid to touch archetypal stories because they've been mm-hmm. done trust me if you do it in a way that is true to you and your voice you will do it differently inherently and i would love to read it <laughs> so yes i i would too i'm huge into that kind of stuff like i i love it when you th- turn things on their head Yes, absolutely. Like, that's what I read 99% of the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, and that's honestly why I read a lot of indie authors, because they take those chances that other people do not. Mm-hmm. You it's know, true. like, they don't they don't have to worry about what the marketing says will sell, because they're their own marketing. So they know what their audience wants to listen to, or yes. read, or depending on how you consume they can, the media. They can react much faster than traditional publishing can. Yes, and like, you know, um, I was talking to Eve Pendle and, you know, she's an indie author and I, I love her because she's honest about things. And she's like, you know, well, right now this is like there are so many historical fictions flooding mm-hmm. the market right now mm-hmm. that you can't make a dent. Like no. you, you just can't. Like no. when you go to Kindle, you see these numbers and they're so she's like pivoting to what, you know, she else she wants to read and write, mm-hmm. but it's different. And but she's also one of the writers has coming to grips of like, well, how do I write a Duke and not discuss where the Duke's money really comes from? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like how do you, how do you put that context together? And her latest book, I haven't read it yet. I have the arc. I need, or I have a copy of it. I need to read it soon. Um, I've just been, it's been a, a hard month yeah. trying to get my, yeah. my focus in ADHD, man. <laughs> Some days I'm great. Other days, um, but you know she said that she actually talks about that a bit and um, I haven't finished it because I found it difficult to read but I know that uh, Vanessa Riley yeah she's no, not Vanessa Riley um, maybe uh, the bashful bride um, you know the the main character of Bex the, the, the main male character he acknowledges and has to come to terms with the fact of where his family money came from and now he has a um, black and more bride mm-hmm. wife. 
So I, I think there's a lot, and he's like get out of position of power being like famous, but people don't know really where he came from, and I have a feeling it's all going to crash down. I just, I have issues reading characters I don't like, and I didn't like him. Yeah. But, um, and and I'm and I'm saying this out loud because it's kind of like I've said people before, and so, but I like the fact that she took that approach. She's like, okay, but where does your money come from? Yeah. You know, it's like, and I, I, that's why I liked it in Ever After. Like Danielle point blank says, you're getting your money from selling us, basically. Yeah. And you don't even We're respect us debts. for that. Like, right. Yeah. And I think that that's important to to put when you're reading the, the when you're when you're doing the tropes, subvert. It's okay. Like I will buy that book. I bought the book from Vanessa, even though I haven't finished it. And I don't think I will. I bought it because it sounded good and the messaging was something I believed in. And you know, indie mm-hmm. authors are getting a lot better about that. Yeah. About about getting that feedback and you know getting back versus. You know, traditionally published books are like, you know, two years before they even hit the shelves. You don't and by have then, to the sanitize trend is gone. it. Right. Like, we, we can we can have romance and we can suspend our disbelief and you can still say these things. Um, right. You know, it's not it's not mutually exclusive, I promise. Well, that's like I was reading. Oh, yeah, I read The Countess Conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I that I liked was Sebastian and with Sebastian's character is he made his money on looking at incidence rates and seeing like which ones were going to come, like which shifts would come back and stuff. And his brother's like, Oh, that's gambling. He's like, no, it's like looking as a perspective, like this is how this usually goes. So why not bank your money on what you think is going to be, which again, not the, not the best way because you're still banking on people dying basically. Yeah. But but he acknowledges this, right? Yeah. Like he acknowledges the the odds and stuff like that. So he's saying, "I've looked into this, like I've done my research." Mm-hmm. And I think that there are. I just I want more of that in the historical romance, especially because it's like you can acknowledge it without it being like a major play. Yeah, like you can say, "Hey, you know what? This is is." It's 1860, and 30 years ago, half my wealth came from people that were literally killed for it. This is what I'm doing instead. Yeah. Gosh. I am, I am contributing to, you know, this much amount of every month, of uh, every year of my money going towards, you know, uh, an education fund. So, <laughs> so Please you just know, do the bare minimum. Right. Like, you know, there are things you can do without it being a major ordeal or like you know the people that like when you read the romances and they come back from the um like the indian like like the indian like east indian yeah. trade or whatever and you're just like y'all read that and thought that was cute that you made them rich because they literally genocided people yeah yeah it's they're mm, mm, yep yep it's it's but you can acknowledge it like acknowledge that this is what happened like you got you got rich because someone else had to die like but you have to be prepared to address it and if you're not prepared to to address those issues i i you know we recorded uh and we released two episodes with um a couple of friends of mine we we played the arcana mobile game which is a visual novel slash dating sim 
And they have, amongst many, many controversies, one thing that they do is, you know, they invented a couple of races and that are vaguely analogous to things like, um, you know, the Bedouins or Native Americans and two different, you know... Uh, yeah. Two different two different characters here I'm talking about, but they they also like really casually put in these like you know elements of slavery and like one one character's entire people almost was fully wiped out by another character's people, and then they just kind of didn't do anything with that. Um, and uh, my my friend who was on the podcast V, who was a person of color, she was like, hey, you know what? If you are not prepared to deal with these themes, if you are not prepared to address it in a way that's reasonable and, and you know, sensitive, then you don't need to put them in there. Um, you don't, you, like, you don't have to do this thing. You can write about something else. Yeah. And I, and, and in that sense, like, do you need to be writing about a cowboy with a tortured past and the reason he's tortured is because he killed a bunch of Native Americans? Like, I maybe not. Maybe you can also maybe not do that, right? Um, like, like he can be, he can be tortured because they all died of dysentery. He can be tortured because he you know grew up in a bad home. I don't know, right? right? Like that's also possible. It doesn't have to be that. I think or he grew up poor. Yeah, let's let's not use these these really. If you're not prepared to address them, don't use them as props. Right. Exactly. A... And and I think that. I want more of the media to address that. Um, And I think that's actually one reason I'm having trouble reading a lot of historical fiction right now. It's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Because like you read it and because a lot of it is set during the Regency and or during, well, I guess I should say during the more prolific peerage times for for the genre. And so I've been, I think that's one reason I've been reading more other fiction as well, because I was reading a lot of it. I I did the historical readathon in January that um, Jess from Peace, Love, and Books did, and and a couple of other people, but um, they did it, and you know, I I appreciated that some of the stuff was actually accurate. Um, Sadie Bosque, I think that's how you say it, Bosque, maybe. Um, anyway, I read her book. Uh, I think it was like How to How to Fall for a Duke by Christmas, something like that. Mm. Um, and I read it, and like she, it was set in like the 1700s. And, like, the father abuses her. Yeah. Or the the person abuses her because it's, like, it's a bit of a Cinderella story. Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like, oh, no, it really is. Um, but, it, you know, they acknowledge, even the hero has to acknowledge the fact that, like, he has no rights mm-hmm. to protect her at that point. Mm-hmm. He can only help get her away the best way he knows how. Yeah. And so I think that that's it's an acknowledgement of the fact that she's being abused, she's being hurt, she's being mistreated. But also, you know, an acknowledgement of there are things you can't always do to fix it, but you can work around it. Mm-hmm. It's an acknowledgement of the times, but it's still a romance. Yeah. Because he still finds those methods. He still is so invested in her, he finds those methods. Yeah. It's um it's it's a it's a tightrope to walk and I and I understand that and we're not always going to get it right um but there is a way to do it um and there's a way to do it sensitively and there's a way to do it smartly um and there's a way to also do beta it readers way- yeah beta readers sensitivity <laughs> readers please please yeah 
Um, at least for like the first couple of passes, you probably some other stuff will get through and maybe it won't age well because that's just the way the world works. But you right. know, the bare minimum here is what we're asking. Yeah. I mean, there, there are things you can definitely find to address the issues and, and getting like readers from a lot of different backgrounds makes a lot of sense as well because yes. one will catch the other one may not because everyone's yeah. experiences are different. Fully, fully different. So yeah. like, you know, when it comes to fat stuff, cause high fat, um, when it comes to like, you can tell when some writers do not have like readers that are fat mm-hmm. or like, you know, like, you know, checker readers, like, you know, mm-hmm. betas, like you can tell and, it's it's not that difficult like you can put a call out and most people will answer yeah especially if you put it on social media yeah people people want to read they want to help they want to be part of it and, and right it's and there's a lot of people looking for fat like positive fat rep yeah. and and i mentioned that because it's the same thing with a lot of the the historical stuff like there are people that are willing to give you the time mm-hmm. just so they don't have to be harmed reading books by you yeah yeah fully they they want they want to have a more um inclusive and a more um solid (laughs) take on the world versus what's been ignored yeah and i i i think that's a wonderful note to to you know sum up this episode and and to sum up the cinderella story as a whole is like we want to see these things. We want to see the underdog. We want it to be sensitively done. We want it to be nuanced. Uh, and in a lot of ways, Ever After is pretty freaking nuanced. And mm-hmm. and I I think that is really is why it probably still holds up despite its cringier bits. Um, yeah. I I and I I think there's still a lot to be learned from that. I agree, and I I think that we should revisit movies that we love like years later mm-hmm. because what we see then we may not see now and vice versa yes and i think mm-hmm. it's important to kind of do a deep dive and and acknowledge what doesn't work but also see what did work and see why it stuck with you and where you can find that somewhere else yes where you are now because some things are solid throughout right like some like like women want to see women being active they don't want to see passive women they want to see mm-hmm. women that are you know, narrators of their own story, not like, that's why things like, you know, uh, a thousand ships, um, I'm going to say a name of wrong again, um, Ariadne, like, like those, those are working because they're Greek myth tellings, but they're with a female perspective on what's really going on. And that's super important mm-hmm. because yeah. it takes that passivity away. And that's why people like, that's why people like Ever After and, you know, movies of that ilk. Because, like, I know people were talking about the um, the Brandy Cinderella as well. Yes, I've, I did I just watch that recently. <laughs> I haven't seen it in, like, since it was out because I don't have Disney Plus here. I mean, we have Disney Plus, but we don't have yeah. Disney Plus. Not the good Disney Plus. And so, um, but you can see, like, mm-hmm. you can see how these stories stick with you mm-hmm, and yeah. why they stick with you. I absolutely I think the, agree. I, I I love going back and going over some of these favorites because, like, later in the year, I'm going to do one on um, ten, uh, not ten minutes, um, Alice, sci-fi's Alice, because I think mm-hmm. that's a fantastic tale, a, another retelling. And then in October for 
the Halloween month, I'm going to do Fractured Fairy Tales, mm. and I'm doing Tenth Kingdom. Oh, okay. Because, you know, they each, like, each of these movies tell something. Yeah. Right? Like, they, they tell quite a bit about the, um, they tell, like, how things have evolved. Because sci-fi is Alice, is like an Alice and uh, Through the Looking Glass retelling, but she's active in what she's doing. She's a participant in every way. And, you know, the same thing in, like, Intense Kingdom, Virginia is learning what she's missed along the way because she's been so focused on the wrong things that she's missed signs that, that say something else. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to see more of that. Well, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> All right. So where can we find you? Okay, so you can find me, uh, my king, well, I was about to say my kingdom, my king, it's true, my kingdom is the kingdom of thirst podcast, you can find that wherever you find goodly podcasts, um, seriously, you can literally, you can, you can, I promise you, you can find it anywhere, um, but I, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your fine pods, fam, um, You can find me on Twitter, Kingdom Thirst. You can find me on Instagram, Kingdom Thirst. I across the across the board. It's it's Kingdom Thirst. You can also find me, Abigail K Kelly, uh, at Abigail K Kelly on Twitter. Uh, that's pretty much where I'm the most active. I do mini reviews on Instagram through the Kingdom of Thirst Instagram. Um, but you know, uh, for the most part, that's where I am. Um, we do, like I said, you know, I've said several times during the, the episode, but I, I just to reiterate, the podcast is is basically. A romance novel podcast for people who don't like romance novels just as much as it is a podcast for people who love romance novels. We do deep dives. We do historical looks at things. We do absolutely absurd episodes about aliens at the same time as we do author interviews and discuss things like racism and sexism and and power dynamics. So it's wonderful. And all the isms. Exactly. I try to also make people laugh uh, because that's what I do. Um, And I say some really whack stuff sometimes, but I promise it's fun. And I'd love to to have you give it a listen. It's every Wednesday. There you go. See? Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) Done and done. Good job. Um, So before you go, I have Mm -hmm. one question. Sure. What is one book that you would recommend that you have read since 2002? 20 the beginning of 2020 oh i just um i'm just finishing an enchantment of ravens um by margaret rogerson i believe it's ya it's romance uh and it's it's fantasy and it's a standalone i highly recommend it it's a a fascinating take on the fae which i know that you were you you were talking about wicked lovely recently if you like the fae we also did uh one of the reasons it was recommended to me is because i did a two-part episode on fae fiction which was a huge roundup episode two episodes about all the fae romance i'd ever read which turned out to be a lot um and (laughs) i was gonna say they're everywhere they're everywhere and spoilers everything is fae actually so that's fascinating um and i go into the history of fae and the cultures you know uh understanding of what fey are and where it comes from and and how uh we even talk about the cottingly photos the the famous forged photos we we Mm -hmm. go we go into it and it's fun um but i highly recommend giving an enchantment of ravens uh, a read it is fantastic it's got a little bit of heat to it which i love to see in ya every now and again (laughs) 
Um, and it's it's uh, tearing me apart because it's so tense up until the last minute. Um, highly recommend. Cool. And then what is one podcast that you would, outside of your own, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> what's one podcast that absolutely you cannot miss? Uh, Behind the Bastards uh, with, with Robert Evans. It is not about romance. It is about the worst people in history. Uh, it is hilarious. The original conceit of that show was that basically this absolute madman of a freelance journalist, his name is Robert Evans, has on comedians who know nothing about what he's about to talk about. And they listen to him tell a tale, a tell a tale about the worst people in history or people who you may know, like, say, Hitler, um, <laughs> things that you wouldn't know. Like a story about how Hitler was actually, like, uh, uh, obsessed with, with this one girl um, who he he used to try and impress by whipping his dog as you walk around, like an absolute crazy person. Or that <laughs> Saddam Hussein wrote romance novels. Who knew? Um not me. It's a fantastic show. It'll absolutely wreck your whole day, but in like a fun, informative way. Um, couldn't recommend it more. Nuance. It gives you nuance. To it their does. Evilness. And you will laugh and you will cry and you maybe throw up a little bit. <laughs> so there's that. All right. Well, then I will let you go and I will let you have fun with the rest of your day because it's like what noon like 12 30 or something there yep. it is 9 30 at night here oh good gravy okay yeah. well. <laughs> it's it's a whole different world when, mm-hmm. when you live across from everybody else well have Thankfully, fun in the future have... <laughs> oh no i it's not fun have fun waiting to find that out um <laughs> but, because your future is now very different from my future because we've already recorded it uh yeah true enough anyway. true enough yeah it's one of those quantum things that nah never nah works i'm not gonna right wrap my brain around Mm-mm. that's too much science there's mm-hmm. reason why i was a lit or not lit i was an english major um because <laughs> <laughs> i was not lit either um enjoy your day <laughs> thank you very much i shall so what did you think This was Abigail's first episode. I have all her links below. Well, is it below? Again, I'm not really sure what to call that box. It's kind of been messing me up for a couple days. But anyway, so if you just check the episode notes, I guess, then you can definitely find all her information there. It was a blast listening and having fun and talking about it from a different point of view from me in some ways. I love it when guests come on and do that. And I want to thank her so much for coming on to talk about it. It was last minute and it just, it meant a lot. And I found someone else new that I can enjoy listening to in the same time. I, I love that kind of stuff. If you have any questions or would like to contact me, you can find me at Damsel's Podcast on everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, especially. I'm always on Twitter. It's easier for me to focus on my ADHD, oddly enough, because I can just move from conversation to conversation and go back when I want. You can also find all my Just Checks Out under various links, and I have a link tree that I just link to to make everything easier for that, so you can get to the YouTube channel and all that other stuff. I also have a merch store that I never talk about. <laughs> that I, I do actually have one though, and it's at T Public. I will have that, and yeah, 
the links below. And of course, there's always Patreon, which is patreon.com slash dun-dun-dun damsels podcast. I like easy branding, guys. So if you have any things that you would like to talk about, please contact me also at damselspodcast at gmail.com. And other than that, this is the end of Cinderella month on the podcast. So I hope you had fun during it. I have a few things. I talked about a couple of different kind of books. I've listened to a couple of other ones. And just because I don't talk about it on the podcast does not mean I am not consuming media for the theme for you guys. I'm not sure what the next episode is going to be, so you'll find out when I find out, I guess. There's a couple things in the works, but I do know that May is, like, nature and science and, you know, that world. So I do know, because I recorded it, there's going to be an episode on the Countess Conspiracy at some point within May. So be on the lookout for that. I just don't know about the other one because that's going to take a bit of time. I hope you guys have a really good day. Like, just... You can't always go outside because pandemic. So look outside your window and avoid all the allergies as well. (laughs) Just like, you know, find something that makes you happy for the day and just do a little bit of self-care. Self-care can be reading. It can be taking a bubble bath. It can be hacking up all kinds of vegetables because you got to go like kick someone's butt. I mean, whatever. Anything works. I mean, if you're a gardener, it may be a good time to, like, transfer plants in your house, like us in this weird house. I mean, who knows? So, go take care of yourself, at least for a little while today, because you deserve it. Everyone deserves that opportunity. Bye, guys. See you next time. (laughs) 